My name is Susie Can, and I hope you enjoy exploring with me the thoughts that come with this thread. If you have any interest in supporting what I'm doing or getting in touch, please do so through the website kylak.ie, where you will also find other resources and connections that I create around each podcast so that if some of the tweaks of interest come to you through them, you have a place to go to go a little further and deeper or to find other information or to find a way to support by maybe wanting to collaborate or offer something or even a donation. Thanks for listening. I am starting recording this thread on Ancestors and the Land on the days coming up to the spring equinox. There is that sense of days lengthening, but also there are the storms that rattle round the planet at the equinoxes. The equinox is the time when you have equal day and night. So we're coming out of that long period of darker days and moving into the light. And you can see in the landscape around all the things that are moving into the light from underneath the earth, the spring bulbs, the activity of nature at this time of year as well is, is really visible with birds finding nesting sites and gathering materials. We have at the end of the cottage wall, uh, an area where we have house sparrows and starlings um, setting up home again. And the starlings are the most raucous of the birds carrying this out. As I see these things, I am thinking about that connection to these festivals that I've chosen to issue each batch of the podcast on and why I feel this is a deep pattern and an interesting pattern that comes down to us through those that lived on this land for centuries um, before I was here. And it is something that I notice amongst the regenerative, land-connected, nature-loving, nature-conservation people that I connect in with, how many of them are drawn back to celebrations, to awarenesses of our ancestors and their connection to specific change over times in the spring equinox and the autumn equinox and the winter and summer solstices in between, and then the in-between, in-between festivals that mark the transitions in Bollock and Beltana and Lunasa and Samhain. And so I just wanted to reflect on those a little bit more and connect them to my understanding of them and they're connected to our indigenous past. And the other thing that I kind of want to weave into this is where their meaning is, why it is something that I see in the circles that I'm talking about. And so there's the obvious to start with. There's the obvious fewer studying 
nature closely as a conservationist or nature lover or a grower and a producer that is associated with the land, then the signals of change within the land become very important to you. You want to know, has the ground warmed up enough to plant the potatoes? There are traditions of saying you should have them in the ground before St. Patrick's Day. But I think that those of us that live in colder parts of Ireland or on high ground pay attention more to what is actually happening in the ground. Has the grass started growing? Have the wildflowers showed up? What is the earliest thing that I will see that indicates the ground warmth? It might be the wild ramsons and the the garlic that comes up. The earliest one traditionally was the dandelion, and it was said that the milk of the dandelion, which when you break the stem of a dandelion, you have that milky substance, was the same indication of the milk of the female sheep, the ewes or yo's milk flowing, getting ready for lambing in early spring. You pay attention to the signs and the changes and the patterns, and that's very challenging for you if you're not connected to the outdoors, if you're not out watching and listening and paying attention to what is coming. So I think that the interest in the Celtic cycles, sometimes I see them celebrated in in different community groups in in different places. And I think the level of understanding is very varied about what what you're trying to reconnect with when you when you touch on these festivals. But one of the things that I wanted to map it onto is that apart from what is happening in in the world around us, if we have an understanding of ourselves as not separate from nature, if we have an understanding of ourselves as tuning into our connection to nature that is deep and already there, then I was talking with someone recently who said that they didn't like the words of reconnect, of work that reconnects, because that implies that we're not currently connected to nature. But of course we are. Our body is nature. It's a living biome, and we are deeply connected to nature, whether or not we're aware of it. So it's more, as she suggested, a tuning in. And I really liked that. That that resonated with me to our connection to nature. One of the things I often talk about is something that I think I got the original inspiration from reading about uh, cycles of the year through a Steiner lens. And it was what is happening to our psyche, if you like, as we go through these seasons of the year. And so we've started out on the on the podcast in winter solstice. And winter solstice is that absolute sleep time where things have gone completely underneath. It's the darkest day. Those creatures that hibernate are hibernating. The badgers are deep in the ground. The activity in the soil has slowed way down. It's still moving. There are still earthworms, for example, in the soil. There are lots of creatures and bacteria, but everything is slowing and the activity levels are much lower. And so if we went with that as people, and as our ancients probably were forced to do, we would have been having much shorter days of activity in the daylight. We would have gone underneath and in a sort of psyche way, we were in deep dreaming 
and not so awake in the light. And so then we've just passed through Imbolc and it's the old Irish for in the belly where we're seeing what's coming, that gestation, as I said, the very earliest things poking out. So that kind of still in the gestation of what will come for spring in the belly of the earth and the fertility that's beginning to be tapped into and awakening. And as we come to spring equinox, the idea of the balance between day and night, the equal time, is a time in the psyche for rebalancing. And and I was talking with some young friends about projects they hope to see happen this year. And my understanding from some of, I say, I think Steiner inspired, was that you couldn't really manifest your project of the year or even know what the decision would be until a bit later. So you're bringing into balance and setting intentions and understanding something's coming, but you can't force spring to come. And even though, especially I think in this year, people are very ready because we've been restricted to our our small areas and our indoor activities for many people. And so these days when you get as I'm sitting looking out the window, a brighter day after a couple of storms that come often in the equinox period, there is that craving for spring to hurry up and can we just get there to the warmer days of the summer. What the wisdom that I understood over the years is that you can't force it now, but it's a very good time. See what the deep dreaming of winter and what was brewing in the belly of Imbolc has started to show you your intention for the year. And I wonder if that was a part of the ceremonial practices of the of the Celtic cycle. Looking ahead is as you go on around the year we'll come into the need fires of Belton Beltana that mark the start of summer. They rekindle the activity it becomes for me this time of year is the slow almost, I often think of it as a non-nature metaphor, but as a steam engine, an old-fashioned choo-choo train, like Ivor the engine that my, myself and my children used to love, a little Welsh television program, and, and it was Jones the Steam was, was firing up Ivor's engine. Later he had a little Idris dragon that used to sleep inside the engine. It's that firing up of the energies of spring. And I often imagine that slow kind of build up of that activity. So you get going and your body's moving again, but it's creaking from the winter inactivity of digging or anything that's kind of physically carrying things about. And yet you build it up. And, and for me, it's the sowing of seeds and getting ready for planting. And it gets more and more and more head of steam as it builds and builds and by the time I get around to the next podcast in the series in Belton, it will be at full head of steam. And then whatever I'm is going to manifest of the year, whether that be in the garden or whether that be in other projects or in your life or in your spiritual development, if that's something you like to work on, you've put all the energy into it then and you have to then sit back a little bit as summer's light comes and let it grow as you head on round to summer solstice and then you get first fruits in late summer as you get to Lunasa and you get the frockin' Sundays and picking bilberries and then 
you get to full harvest at that point by the time you come around the opposite cycle to where we are now, the spring equinox coming, come around to the autumn equinox, and that's your full harvest in storage until you come to the end of the year at Samhain and everything is going back into the earth again. I just thought I'd talk through that and the kinds of things that I have experienced and touched on. And then related in a way to that is the sensitivity to those cycles I was speaking about. And I've been very inspired by the youth activists that I follow in here in Ireland who woke up with a call that had been in them and they had been doing whatever they had been doing in their nature clubs and local areas and awarenesses, whatever they had been aware, there was a huge wake-up call to youth activism when Greta Thunberg uh, spoke outside the Swedish parliament and people began to be aware of her and there was a big surge in school action for climate-led activism, climate change activism. And as part of that, what I'm noticing is that especially in this year where people haven't been able to be out doing the kinds of protesting they were doing, they're not even in school, so they can't school strike. The ones that I follow and pay attention to, there seems to be this connection to nature that they may already have had in some instances. I'm reading the wonderful a naturalist book by Dara McNulty at the moment, and he certainly was someone who goes to nature for absolute curiosity and passion, and also for solace. And interestingly, both he and Greta share the challenge and perhaps elements of strength from their autism, have huge challenges in the world of what some people in disability talk about as the social model of disability, meaning that if the world was more accommodating, then the disability, the, the, the inability to manage in the world would be very much less. And I find it really interesting that Dara and Greta and others that I see who may have uh, other challenges maybe not fitting into the world or passing in the world as normal for different reasons, possibly gender differences or other differences. And yet it's these young people who've come from perhaps that exclusion in other ways and yet have a deep, deep connection and belief in what we need to do to repair or regenerate or our whole system and how that is fueled by their passion for life and passion for survival and passion for, in Dara's case, for nature. And I noticed when reading Dara's book that he touches at one point on the Celtic festivals and his family's connection, who are all passionate nature lovers, also having that connection. And I, and I was really intrigued by that and thought about, as I say, this the reason, these deeper reasons that people do connect in with those ancient cycles. And also some of the things that I hear about from time to time from different people is other connections to the land of Ireland 
that go on in the background that people aren't always aware happen. There are festival events that happen associated with fire, associated with seasonality. So people go and meet in Newgrange on winter solstice again this year. That didn't happen, but the Office of Public Works and the organizations around Newgrange put a lot of effort into trying to at least televise sunrise on winter solstice. I think it was, as it can often be, quite wet, um, so you don't always see sunrise. But it was just really interesting that a public body was going to mark that because they normally have a kind of a lotto draw. It was the chamber inside of Newgrange where the winter sunlight penetrates is very small, and they normally have a lotto to draw that that some people get to sit inside of there, but many other hundreds of people gather and celebrate solstice there uh, outside of the chamber. And so I was just really appreciative, I guess, a bureaucratic public body would see this, the importance of marking that and televising it for those that aren't able to be there. And similarly, there are fire festivals at Ishnok, and in the springtime, through so St. Bridget Day or Lola Breed, which is the ancient spring maiden of Celtic cycles, but layered over with the Christian St. Bridget's Day, that that also has associations with water and breeds uh, sacred wells. And there are many groups in Ireland who have been going quietly to wells and doing ceremony or blessings of water. And they, I know of one group in, in County Wicklow who went around finding all of the old holy wells and marking them. And I know that isn't just in Wicklow. I've heard of other groups refinding, reclaiming wells. And that is so interesting when connected to the ancient connection to these sacred wells, wells that had cures, for various things, wells that were not all drinking wells. There is a famous one that had a cure for an unbalanced person, and I think they found out afterwards that it has lithium in it, in the water. So there were these reasons that the different cures were in the different wells, and this knowledge is so long in its finding how you find out that this well has has a sacred property is similar to the kind of knowledge of plants and healing properties uh, that ancient peoples have. And so this regenerative work of finding them and in some cases re-blessing them. And one of the stories that I discovered was why they needed reconsecrating, why they needed blessing was that as a way to destroy connection to land that our ancients had when being colonized by the stronger invaders that came through the cycles of the British invasions that went on over 800 years or thereabouts of trying to subjugate the peoples who were living in the land at that time one of the things that happened, particularly during the era of Cromwell, who one of many cycles of harsh, harsh suppression, was the desecrating of wells and the contaminating of wells through 
violent acts. So one of the stories that my friends who've been uncovering wells around Wicklow found out was of a well that there were two elderly brothers, I think, who had and knew where a well was in a village or near a village edge. And they had it through their family that they should quietly go and take care of the area around this well. And they had been doing that. But the village themselves, people didn't go to the well. Some people knew where it was, but there was a kind of taboo that was passed on to them from when they were children that that, that you didn't go there. There was something uh, sinister and you shouldn't go near the well. And when my friends were doing research in the area, they found out that Cromwell had taken a local rebel, or two, I believe, maybe, and hung them on the hawthorn tree over the sacred holy well of that village. And even though no one in the village knew that story, desecration had had followed through as a taboo. And when they found all this out, they ended up doing a, I think a local priest actually came and did a ceremony of letting go that story and they weeded around the hawthorn tree and they cleaned up the well and they had a blessing of the well and now people in the village are are delighted to go back. And there was a similar story of a, a well that was on the side of the mountain where our little small holding is and they told us a story there of how the village near it is about a three-kilometer walk on the other side of, of the mountain. And when they were going they, this well, they found it themselves through a lot of searching on maps and eventually found it. And it was very overgrown and hard to, to, to find. But And it didn't have a hawthorn tree. And one of the things that they were doing for each of the holy wells that they did find was to plant a hawthorn if, it, if they'd been destroyed because there was this association that a holy well always had a sacred hawthorn tree beside it as guardian hawthorn trees being connected to the heart and spirit and guardianship in the mythologies. And so they were going to do that and plant the tree and they wanted to do the walk from the nearby village because they'd heard that people went on St. Bridget's Day as a tradition that had only stopped in that village. They didn't have any negative feelings but about that well, but they hadn't been going. It had sort of died out with the older people, but many people remembered doing it. And so they put a, a notice in the local parish news that on this day they would go walking from the village over. And they showed up thinking maybe a few people would join them. That had happened in a few other places. And 300 people were in the village ready to walk to the well, and the oldest was 80 years of age. And so there's this interesting depth of connection to either the actual day of celebration, but also I think to what goes underneath. What is this day about? What does it kindle in us? How do we connect to the land through these festivals? How do we understand ourselves as we go through that cycle of death, birth and renewal each year in the land and what goes through us as we let go things in the winter, we become receptive to something coming in us in the spring. And then we set that intention and watch it 
just begin to break through the ground until it flourishes and flowers and ripens and fruits. And we harvest that in our year and in ourselves. And then we let that get stored up again in whatever winter stores we can. And we go in and and connect to the death cycle as we come to the opposite side of the year to where I am now in spring, we, we go back into that death cycle and there's a letting go again as you as you connect to that. So those are lessons from our ancients and many, many people know a lot more, I'm sure, about these celebrations and about the mythologies associated with them. And I think other people like me have come to them through our work on and with and in nature and on the land. And we can't help but see this same cycle. We could, without perhaps ever knowing about a Celtic cycle of the year, we would, if we were asked, what is March about? What is May about? We would probably come up with much the same things that our ancestors did. And I find that a long lineage of, of, I mean, you go back much further than the Celts if you're talking about all of the people who've had a connection to this land from wherever they came from. That There's the closer that you're living to the cycles of it, perhaps you would, co- you know, it would naturally emerge in a way. These kinds of moments where you notice the changes between the seasons and what happens in each part. I'll put in the listen notes some references to the things that I've mentioned and places that I've found some of this knowledge and that has inspired me. For very long now, I've had a big circle, <laughs> several big circles in different forms that replicate what other people have, maybe as those year planning calendars, the more linear ones that you can get for your planning year. And years ago, we made a giant uh, cardboard circle and put the months of the year in a circular form and looked at it and, and tried to map out our energies onto that circle for when it would be a good time. Because knowing that I have growing energy, like all the little birds do at this time of year, and so this is a good time of year to take on something new or rekindle something that's energetic and make a change in some practice that that has to do needs energy and i know that it's not a good time for me to do that at the end of Samhain when i've done all the storing and gathering of a year Samhain it's time to begin to honor what is dying and go to sleep a little bit for the winter go into that hibernation and that if i was trying to initiate something at that time of year it just wouldn't have my energy behind it. So I've had that. And then a few years ago, I met and connected with a lovely artist, Emily Archer. And I'll I'll put a link because Emily has made uh, much smaller circles than our original one. And I, I did also do some paintings of circles that map kind of that cycle that goes through the year that looks also similar if you map that same cycle onto a month or even onto a day. So you can think of morning as being that, or dawn being that early imbolic energy. And you can think of the sunlight coming up as into the day as being that spring energy, and then the zenith of that at noon. And then you begin to go into more restful, whatever the day has been, whatever you've managed to do. And then you go back round and asleep. So you can kind of map it. And I have some 
little paintings of that, and I've done it for a life as well, where you can map your own youth and what that was like in early spring. And in some ways, that's what I'm mapping when I on the other thread where I'm talking about my own life and trying to map what happened to me on as a biography onto what was happening in the world around me. And that personal is the political notion. So Emily um, made these lovely native circles, they're called, and she made one particular one, which it has the Celtic circles in imagery form. So I'll put that in the listen notes and a connection to where you can purchase one of Emily's beautiful artworks if you want, or you can be inspired by them and create something that helps draw you in and connect you to these cycles as you experience them in your body, in your land, in your stories, in in your lifetime. If it interests you to connect to our ancient cycles, connected to the people that celebrated and gave us these words in the Celtic cycle, and see what that brings you in this year as we step into past spring equinox.